0: everyone good well it's on now thanks again good if you've got a bible perhaps you could turn to um 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we're going to read in a couple of uh, seconds verse 16 onwards if you're looking up in a paper bible all the t's are together handy hint Timothy Titus okay to add these added extras in, little bonus. You didn't know that. There you go, then. You learn something every day if you're listening. Good. I don't know. Um, I want to ask the question what kind of people does God want us to be? Uh, which I think is a reasonable uh, question. It's quite common for um, believers in Jesus Christ to just get every now and again think, hang on a minute, what am I doing with my life? Um, some of us live like that semi-continuously, but, uh, but, but often there are points in a person's life where they think, Oh, oh what does God want me to do, and, and uh, get confused about, about the issue of guidance, and that's relevant, it's not quite what I'm doing today, but, but this verse does say what the will of God is for us. I, I can remember at a certain point in my life, I'd, I'd sort of been preaching for a while, in, like in my spare time, alongside my day job. And, um, and then I went, and, and um, my, with the encouragement of my church leaders, I did a, a three years training. So I did a, th- a theology degree, and I, and I did some practical training in pastoral care and mission and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and at the end of it, I thought, this is it, because so, I was young and stupid. Look out, Christian world, here I come. And, uh, and, and actually, instead of anything that I thought might happen happening... Uh, uh nothing, nothing that I thought would happen, happened. I don't know if you've ever had that in, in your life. It just did not go the way I thought it would. And instead of that, I ended up in Birkenhead. Those of you who know Birkenhead might have a little bit of sympathy. And uh, I ended up in Birkenhead um, resurfacing a factory um, railway sh- repair shed. So a sort of semi-underground. There's these things that go down under with some rails go ahead. And, uh, and that's what I did. For quite a while, I resurfaced factory floors with, with people who didn't mind being away from their family all week, uh, and, and that's a certain sort of person that permanently works a- away from their family, and, and they were, they were, it was a bit rough, to be honest. It was a bit disappointing, and I did think to myself, well, what am I supposed to be doing then? What has all this got to do with the call of God on my life? You know, I looked at what I thought God had said. Maybe I got that wrong. I thought of what was happening, and I couldn't square them up. And, and around that time, some of my friends that I'd studied with knew this, and I got a letter from a guy called Phil. Now, Phil had had an even longer training, doing all sorts of training, and then I met him at college because he felt that God wanted him to go to a certain African nation. And at the end of all of that, quite sort of five years of, of study and effort and work, he had his medical... And they said, you can't work there. It's too high altitude. You've got a problem with your heart. You, you can't go. And so, so and Phil was a bit ahead of me in the disappointment stakes, and he'd worked through some stuff. And, and I got this lovely letter from him to, to encourage me. And I, I've always remembered this sentence. He said, over this period, I've learnt that guidance is more about who you are becoming than what you do. And and that's been profoundly helpful to me o- over those little times in my life where everything has gone sort of let me give you a theological term belly up <laughs> when it's all when it's all gone when it's all gone wrong or I think it's gone wrong actually I've learned, it hasn't gone wrong it's just not gone how I thought. And actually, God's more interested in changing who we are than the precise tasks that we do at any one moment. Now, he's interested in those details. He, he cares. He'll get us where, we, we wanna, where he wants us to be, though it might not be where we want to be. He'll get us there if we keep following him. But he's much more interested in, well, what kind of person are you becoming? He's much more interested as a church in what kind of people we are than in the timescale that marks us getting into the granary. We're really concerned, oh, when, well, when is it time? When are we there? We're, he's actually concerned with, but are you learning to pray? Are you learning to depend on me? Are you learning the kind of things that will make you useful when I get you to where you're going to be? That's, that's God's guidance process. It's not just about activity, it's about character. It's about spirituality. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. So 1 Corinthians 5, verse, um, Thessalonians even, thanks. It's Mum's Day. Uh, There we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. This is uh, Paul's exhortation to them as he finishes his uh, short letter for him. Only five chapters. There we go. Uh, Verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You wonder what God's will is for your life? Well, here's a good starting point. God's will is in Christ Jesus that you pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and rejoice always. Now, you might look at those three commands and think, well, they're, they're just, I give up. <laughs> they are three impossible-looking commands. I mean, if Paul had said, rejoice when things are going well, I would have obeyed that one because that's quite easy really that would have been okay if he'd said pray when you're in trouble and when you go to church that would have been fairly easy but all the time unceasingly that's tricky give thanks in everything what when things go belly up when things are difficult give Mm, that's a bit hard and these commands are really only for those who are as he as it puts it in Christ Jesus which is New Testament shorthand for people that have trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins for people who are in Christ it's actually possible to always rejoice pray without ceasing give thanks in everything because you have got to a place of security got to a place where your conscience is clear got to know uh, got into a place when your eternal destiny is secured because you've trusted in the lord jesus christ so for those of us who have reached that point and are trusting in jesus christ this is god's will for you and it's a sort of lifestyle that you can learn it's not like we all go out from the church this morning, and that's it. I'm doing it now. It's a good resolution to make, but it's a lifestyle to learn with God's help, by faith and with the help of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to just simply work through the three of them this morning. Firstly, what does it mean to rejoice always? To rejoice always. And, and I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that suddenly you're a Tigger Christian. I don't know if you know, you're into Winnie the Pooh. Do you remember Tigger? Hands yeah. Tigger? Tigger's wonderful the wonderful thing about tiggers is tiggers are wonderful things. Something, something, something. Instead of legs they got springs. Something like that. And and there are some Christians that give you the impression that they, they've taken a sort of pint of trigger juice and, and they're always bouncy, bouncy, pouncy. Do, do you know do you know what I mean? And and you and you think oh, well if you're very godly, you think, oh God bless you. If you're less godly like me, then you think, oh flipping neck. Something like that. <laughs> that because sometimes it's, I mean, that's great, but sometimes it just seems like a little bit unreal. Do you, do you know? Now, now that, that we shouldn't judge because actually maybe God's done a very deep work in their heart and they are able to, to rejoice in that way all the time. But, but it doesn't mean that you sort of, some other people remember a, a song that talked about putting on your happy face. What, what, that, no, you don't. Actually, I don't, but I know it's there somewhere. Put on, you know, that, that's, it doesn't mean, oh, when I go to church, I've got to put on a happy face. Take this slightly miserable one off. Put on a happy face. That, that's actually, Mark and I had a little um, Facebook exchange. The, the, the Bible word for putting on a mask, whether it's a happy one or just a cool one when you're not really like that, is actually hypocrisy. To put on a happy face, to pretend you're happy when you're not, the, the Greek word for that is the same word that we get hypocrisy from to do with acting to do with being an actor that's that's just unreality so when the bible says rejoice always it's not saying pretend that the sad things that are happening aren't sad or pretend when you're in pain that you're not in pain now if you're in pain you're in pain if things are sad then you, then they're sad it's not it doesn't mean be unreal in fact it's very important for a healthy life that you acknowledge your feelings God made us people with feelings, didn't He? We feel happy. We we feel sad. We we feel hurt. We feel upset sometimes. Sometimes we feel a bit angry. We we feel sometimes we feel frustrated. It's important to acknowledge what we're feeling without being ruled by those feelings. But to acknowledge what we're feeling is a healthy thing. You know the short hands up if you know the shortest verse in the Bible. It is. Jesus wept, so that 's an example. Jesus w- was able to feel sad. he wept his his Lazarus had died. Jesus was upset he he wept, so feelings should be acknowledged a- a- and here's the interesting thing: rejoicing and feeling sad or going through troubles exist simultaneously at the same time it 's not like I'm either rejoicing or I'm sad. No, I'm sad, but I'm rejoicing. I'm angry, but I'm rejoicing. I'm confused, but I'm rejoicing. They exist at exactly the same time. So Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, talking about his ministry, he says, I'm sorrowful, but I'm always rejoicing. Well, he had reason to be sorrowful. He'd, He'd lost good ministry mates, some some of them have been killed some have been martyred some of the churches were in trouble he had sorrow in his life but he was still rejoicing at this exactly the same time that's something to that's a, a sort of discipline of the holy spirit to learn i can be sorrowful but rejoicing at the same time you see in the bible trials and joy go together now it's great when we just get the joy without the trial they're they're really happy times but they go together james 1 verse 2 and 3 james um, james says this consider it pure joy brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance now, I'm not, I'm not always there yet, sometimes on a good day, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes trials are just a trial. But what he's saying is trials and rejoicing go together. In other words, I'm, I'm hating this moment. This is really hard, but I know that God is working in me somehow. I don't even understand how. I know he's changing me through this, so I'm going to rejoice in him. Does that make sense? I don't understand why this has happened, but I know God is good, so good is coming out of this, even though I can't see it. That, that's a biblical position of joy. It's not, it's not pretending that the bad stuff isn't there or the painful stuff isn't there. It's saying it's there, but God is with me and he's good. And so I can rejoice in him. It's, it's not firstly about my feelings, is it? It's firstly about him, that God is good, that he's with me, that he'll work things out. Even through the difficult times. Perhaps as you look back, you'd say, especially in the difficult times, we prove that he's there for us. That's why Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Same thing as Thessalonians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, it's as if he knows they're going to say, oh, come on. He says, no, I'm, I'm saying it again. Rejoice. It's a deliberate choice. It's a, it's a deliberate focus like Paul and Silas when they were in Philippi they were in prison Do you remember that story they'd been, they'd been whipped <laughs> they were in a bad way now rejoicing didn't mean their back didn't hurt it, it still hurt <laughs> they were still bleeding they were still in prison they were still in stocks nothing had changed it was their focus it was now rejoice in the Lord and they're there at midnight worshipping God and then the breakthrough came It's a deliberate choice to focus on God, on Jesus, on salvation, on on the truth of his word, and to yield to the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Galatians chapter 5. So when we rejoice, when we deliberately focus on God and praise him and worship him for what Jesus has done, for the fact that he's with us, when we choose to rejoice, it opens our hearts up to the Holy Spirit. It does. There's a, there's a certain discipline in, in yielding to him and worshipping God, despite whatever might be going on. Now, that, that's not, I don't know about you, but it's not pleasing to the sort of fleshy bit of myself. Do you know what I mean? Somet- it, it, sometimes a severe case of the can't be bothereds may be upon you. You know, <laughs> you think, oh, I know it says that, but I'm miserable. No, actually, what we're doing is we're, we're choosing to allow Our feelings and our circumstances to get on top of us rather than saying, no, I know my flesh feels like this. I feel tired or fed up or whatever. But scripture says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Remember the psalm that said, bless the Lord, over my soul. He's like he's talking into his own shirt. He's saying, come on, soul, wake up. Come on, bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't forget all his benefits. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten his benefits oh yeah bless the Lord oh yeah praise God that's it's a it's a choice isn't it that's why the Bible talks in Hebrews about a sacrifice of praise sometimes it is a sacrifice sometimes we don't feel like going to church anyone anyone here gonna confess Oh, good. Oh, look, six or seven, or maybe even eight honest people. That's really encouraging. (laughs) Sometimes we don't feel like praising God. Sometimes we don't feel like rejoicing. There's a certain discipline in saying, Come on, praise the Lord, oh my soul. I'll rejoice in God my Savior. It's a sacrifice. In other words, it costs me. It costs me to decide to put on a worship tape. It costs me to look up my favorite passage in the Bible. It costs me something. But it's a decision of the will helped by the Holy Spirit. And we, when we make that decision, God comes in and our focus goes on to him. Here's the second one. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Now I know there'll be some thinking, hang on a minute, I've, I've, uh, I'm at work. I've got, I've got this document to word process. Hang on a minute, I've got, I've got shelves to fill. I'm working in a shop. Hang on a minute, I've got homework to do. I can't pray uh, continually. That doesn't make, that's impossible. No, actually the phrase, I've looked it up. This phrase is used of, y- you know that when you get a hacking cough? I had one recently, ended up with bronchitis. I, you know, when you cough persistently and you can't stop, you have little fits and then you think you're all right. And then, <laughs> and it, you hop <coughs> Oh, there you go. That kind of thing. When you just, when you have a persistent cough, that, it's that. So it's sort of like pray persistently. Pray like you can't help it. Pray as a lifestyle, like a persistent cough that you can't get rid of. When you've got bronchitis, you just you just can't stop coughing, and it sort of hurts. But it's involuntary. Sort of pray, just pray, just all the time. See, I, often I think we pray really well when we're in trouble. Anyone else pray? I pray really well when I'm in trouble. I, I mean, I'm so devout, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you're not in trouble, when things are going well, you sort of, well, I can do this bit of life. And the trouble with that way of thinking is prayer drifts to the margins, doesn't it? Because most of life I can do, but, but there's this bit I can't do, so I just pray about that bit. The trouble is we, we're unreal. Prayer begins, in fact, this is a quote from a guy called Paul Miller. Prayer begins with knowing that you can't do life on your own. That's quite a challenging quote, really. Prayer. Begin- See, when you know that you can't do life on your own, that you can't, I don't know, you actually don't get on with your mates all the time very well without God's help, or you're struggling with your coursework and you can't do that very well, or it's really tough bringing your parents up uh, without, without God's help, or um, all of that kind of thing. That's a joke. All of that kind of thing. Th- th- then you start Praying. What, what do you think I, I really struggle to, you know, drive around the edge of Worcester without losing my temper? Uh, that that kind of thing. <laughs> that's when you start. That's when you pray, because you know you can't do life very well without God's help. Does that make sense? Spur- spurgeon said this spurgeon had a lot of responsibilities he's not only preaching the biggest church in europe but he also ran a bible college and set up orphanages all over london he was doing all sorts of sending missionaries overseas doing all sorts of things and he said this i rarely pray for more than five minutes he wasn't he didn't like he didn't you know some people can keep going forever can't they you, you wonder if god's bored yet but he you know, they just seem to They keep praying and praying and praying. And and that's wonderful if you like that. Spurgeon said, I I can't pray for more than five minutes, but I rarely go five minutes without praying. See, there's a man who's praying like a hacking cough. Because he's saying, say, oh, oh, the Bible College. Oh, we haven't got enough money for the Bible. Oh, God, give us some, some more money for the Bible College. Oh, the staff have had a row here. Oh, God, help, bless them over there. And, oh, and my wife and kids, and, oh, yeah, she's struggling with her maths. So I pray for that. And that, I'm driving along the road. I'm looking. The guy behind me looks really miserable. I, I did the other day. I was in a traffic queue. I looked behind. The guy behind had his head in his hands. So I don't know what was going. I don't know if he had a headache or if the pressure of work. But I'd, I just prayed for him. It's, it's hacking cough praying. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember? Um, so you can pray when you hear the news. If you've been listening to the news, you could do with more praying. You can pray when there's a challenge in your life. You can pray for your kids. For your pra- the Celtic Christians, uh, which we, and we don't know very much about Celtic Christians, they, they had prayers for, for lighting the fire. They had prayers for sending their children out of the house. They'd, they'd, so they had grasped something about prayer not being for... A prayer time, although it's great to have a prayer time, but prayer is about doing life with God. You can wander and, oh, thank you for that daffodil. Good job, Lord. You can, you can, yeah. and and while I'm going here, yeah, help Debbie at school. And, 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 oh, there's Ken over there. Bless him and help him and blah, blah, blah. Whatever. You can see someone and pray. You can watch the news and pray. You can be reading a book and pray. Be persistent like a cough. Do you remember Nehemiah? He, he was really troubled about the state of Jerusalem. He was in exile in a different country. And um, he, he served the king. And, it, and you're not supposed to be miserable in front of the king because you could get your head chopped off. And, um, but he allowed his face to look miserable. And the king said, what's up, Nehemiah? And, and there's a lovely verse in Nehemiah 2, verse 45, where it says, I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king. That, that was a, a mid-sentence prayer. That was a kind of internal, God help me. And he answered. That's, that's prayer unceasingly, isn't it? God, this is difficult. Help kind of prayer. Mid-sentence praying. Let's pray continually as well as rejoicing always. Here's a third one. Give thanks in everything. <coughs> now, that doesn't mean that I'm happy with my circumstances. When I had bronchitis, I didn't say... Well, thank you, Lord, for that bronchitis. I'm not sure it came from God anywhere. I think it came from the other side. But it's not saying, it's not thanking God. It's not being happy with your circumstances. It's thanking God anyway. Choosing to believe Him, to trust Him in all circumstances. Focusing on what He has done and is doing rather than what He hasn't done and isn't happening. You know, you, you know I, I don't cope with winters very. I don't like winter very much. I'm I'm always looking forward for the first crocus coming up. That's just that's the way God made me. I've had to accept it. Uh, my my the the women in my life they've all got this great ability to say to look at the good things and this this is their right. I'm wrong. That they're saying. But in the winter, it's all snuggly. <laughs> ah. Bah, oh, humbug. In, in the winter, we've got all the pretty lights. It's cosy. We can light a candle. Well, they give you asthma, but we won't go there. So, uh, <laughs> see? See the problem I've got? Now, you can, so you've got to choose, haven't you? You can, in life, you can, as it were, you can, you can focus on what's not there, i.e. expecting daffodils in December. Or you can focus on the pretty lights of life and say, and that's true in our lives, isn't it? You can spend your life thinking, but, but it's not like this and it's not like that. Or maybe even church isn't like that and we haven't got that. Or you can say, so even imagine the building. Imagine a life like the building. You can either thank God that you've got a building and you've got amazing gift days and God's provided this much and maybe the bank will lend us that much. Or you can focus on the bit you haven't got. So it's a lesson for life, isn't it? So we can thank God in all circumstances. I dare you to make a list of things that you can be thankful for. You spend a long time doing it. Sometimes when we've got the grumps, it's a good discipline. I, I just say, well, thank God. I start with Debbie. I thank God for Debbie. I thank God I've got a roof over my head. I thank God I've got running water. If you've ever been anywhere that hasn't got running water, sorry to thank God for. There's central heating in a cold country. I thank God for the NHS. I thank God for my kids. I thank God for my grandchildren. Usually by the time I've done that, I thank God for daffodils Um, i can't be the only one that thanks god for daffodils maybe i am oh two of us that's good but just that attitude of gratitude i know my my mum would have put it like this count your blessings that's how previous generations used to to talk about it it's a really good discipline because it focuses us on god and what he is doing rather than the things we haven't got Got yet, or the things he isn't doing. It acknowledges that everything good in our life is a gift of God. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. Everything good in your life is a gift from the Father above. Anything that's good. I said, Oh, I earned hard cash and bought that. Yeah, but who gave you the health to, to earn hard cash and buy that? Who gave you the brain that got you the job that enabled you to earn the money to get that? Everything that's any good comes from him. So, when you the discipline of saying thank you acknowledges that everything we've got that's any good is a gift from God, everything. If you think about it, if you, it, it, if Gordon gave me a Christmas present, you don't have to; it's okay. But if Gordon gave me a Christmas present, and then he came round in January and saw it still there un, under uh, uh, on the sideboard, unopened, it it would do something to our relationship. You think, oh he's not he's not very grateful he? you know didn't really appreciate that very much or, or or worse too if he if he saw that i'd i'd sort of opened it and it was still there in the wrapper but i'd i i never read the book or played with the racing car or whatever it was he, he, he'd, he'd say oh well he never said he never said thank you he, he's not I, want, I mean, it's a different analogy, isn't it? But, but God's given us so many good things. I, I wonder if he looks down sometimes and thinks, wow, I never said thank you for that, did they? He doesn't stop being good to us. I'd get, you know, grumpy. Gordon would say, oh, not giving him anything next year then, you know, because we're human. But God continues to be good. He's a good father. He continues to give good gifts to his children. But his heart must long for us just to say, thank you. Thank you, Father. You've been good to me thanksgiving humbles us and it honors him by increasing our awareness of his goodness and raising our faith for more when you look back and say thank you that you did that in my life thank you that you did that thank you that you did this thank you did that thank you then it actually honors him for all he's done increases your dependence on him and gives you faith that he'll continue to be good to you so so this is a lifestyle that we're talking about ingratitude actually turns us further away from god we're running out of time so i I, I won't do the next next bit but but in the beginning of romans it's one of the evidences of turning away from god was they didn't give thanks and actually the psalms say we enter his courts with thanksgiving praise so thanksgiving brings us closer to god a lack of gratitude brings us further away from god let's give thanks in everything rejoice always pray continually give thanks in everything most of all and we'll take communion perhaps at the end of our time together most of all let's give thanks to god for jesus most of all if everything else seems to have gone wrong The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus, it's so easy to say, thank you, thank you God for Jesus. A simple child could say, thank you Jesus that you died for us. But it's indescribable. The depths of his love for you and me. That God so loved, you, yes the world, but you and me specifically. That he sent his only son. Isn't that worth giving thanks for? That's why we often break the bread and and drink, in our case, the juice, to say, thank you, God. Thank you for your indescribable gift. Thank you for your love for me, that the Son of God should love me and give himself to be broken for me. Thank you, God. So all three of these engage our will. So let's have a quick so what at the end. We have to engage our will. If we're going to be, if we're going to follow this will of God for us, we have to engage our will. These things are choices, aren't they? The Holy Spirit helps us. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. But they're choices, they're decisions. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I, I, I'm going to pray because I can't do life on my own, <laughs> and I'm going to give thanks for what He is doing and has done they engage our will secondly let's shift our focus off of ourselves and onto god all three do that don't they when you rejoice it takes your focus off of yourself and onto who he is what he's done like the wonderful songs we sang this morning do take our focus off of us and onto him praying continuously takes the focus off of us even in our need and says god would you act would you do something giving thanks is continuously putting the focus on what he has done engage our will shift our focus from ourselves onto God and then keep, keep going keep going, keep rejoicing because these things are all continuous it's developing a lifestyle isn't it what kind of people will we be I don't know in, in th- three years time What kind of people, not where will we be, top floor of a granary, not where will we be, not what will we be doing, we're doing all sorts of adventures with God to serve our city and the nations. It's not that, no, it's what kind of people will we be? What kind of people? I think a people like this are attractive, a people that are focused on God, rejoicing in Him, a people that are able to pray continually, a people that are able to give thanks in everything. Let's develop a lifestyle, Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there, and uh, we're going to go into a time of communion. If you wanted to respond to any of those words that came earlier, or you've got a particular need and would like prayer, as we take this bread and wine and and give thanks to God for Jesus, give thanks for His love for you personally. But if you have a personal need or want to respond to any of those, there's, there's two ways of going forward. One grab someone that you trust and love and ask them to pray for you. Or number two, come and see me and I'll find someone who will do that. Someone who's trustworthy and loving and they'll pray for you. So there's two tables at the back. There's a table here at the front. Let's give thanks to God for his indescribable gift to us. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you that you gave yourself so fully for us. Thank you, Father, that you sent your Son for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that it's you that makes these things real. We ask you to move amongst us as we take this bread and this wine to close our time together. We thank you for the indescribable gift of your love, your sacrifice on the cross, your Holy Spirit moving amongst us. Jesus, you have been so kind to give yourself for us. So we want to come down. Put this word into practice by giving thanks back to you. Amen. Amen. So the band are going to lead us and uh, let's uh, move ourselves and uh, take communion it's at the back and up front. You're welcome if you're visiting us. Please, Please feel free.